1: Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Back on this uh, Wednesday, the 18th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Coming up in mere moments, we are going to be talking with Congressman Jim Jordan. I teased ahead, uh, investigative reporter for OAN One America News, Chanel Rion. She will be joining me in just a bit. She has agreed to hold on so that we can have a conversation with Congressman Jordan about what exactly is going on right now. The Freedom Caucus, we are told, has moved to adjourn the session. Uh, that is procedural. Whether or not uh, it is effective, Uh, I guess time will tell. I'm told Congressman Jordan is there right now, so we'll find out directly from one of the principals involved. Congressman Jim Jordan, uh, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative. Uh, Good morning, sir. How are you?
2: I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm like the rest of America. I'm I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed. Uh, at at what yeah. our what our Congress has become, um, what they are doing. I was just reading some of your tweets off the air. I was going to read them on the air until you came on, so I'll let you say it instead of read your past tweets about what the American people are, are are being forced to watch here. This um uh this double standard as far as prejudging a president as being guilty on both the House and Senate side, yet they are freaking out that Mitch mcconnell has suggested i've also prejudged the case and we're going to defend the president
2: yeah <laughs> they're talking about the process on the senate side how about the process on this side no subpoena authority for republicans no witnesses that we were able to call to the hearing witnesses that were in the depositions adam Schiff prevented some of those witnesses from answering republican questions all the democrats got their questions answered and the whistleblower the guy who started it all uh the anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who's biased against the president who worked for joe biden never had to testify in fact the only person who, who knows who that individual is, the only member of Congress, is Adam Schiff. And now the, the Democrats are bellyaching about some, some process concerns over there. This, this is just, I'm like you, it is so ridiculous. But they don't care, and they're never going to stop. I mean, Al Green said last week, the day before we marked things up in the Judiciary Committee, if the Senate doesn't convict, it will not end. So they're never going to stop attacking this president. No. We just have to understand that. We just got to keep fighting back.
1: Let me come back to the Senate again in a moment, but let's go back to what's going on right now. I was told that the yeah. your, your caucus is trying to adjourn the session, uh, and this would be, be before a vote. It certainly will not uh, stop a vote, but it may delay it. Is that what's yeah. going on?
2: We offered that amendment. We lost. Uh, they moved to the table it, and you know they got more votes than we do. So uh, Andy Biggs offered that. We lost that, uh, that uh, procedural uh, vote. Uh, we then offered uh, Leader McCarthy offered a privileged resolution, which he can do as the leader of the rep- Republican Party uh, in the House, um, and he offered uh, that. And we, you know, we lost on that one as well. That was a privileged motion to to, to um, uh, citing all the all the concerns about Adam Schiff and this whole process, some of the things I just talked about. Um, and now they're debating what's what's the rule. The rule which sets up the hours of debate and says that there can be no amendments offered. So there'll be a one-hour debate on the rule. Then we'll get into a six-hour debate on the actual
1: articles of impeachment. Okay, uh, which I thought had already been debated, or the, w- what was the procedure uh, for the last two days, or what was going on? Because I yeah, thought the, the articles yeah, the rules, were being debated at that time.
2: Yeah, they were, and and uh, they were being debated, even though that it was the rules committee establishing the rule for, um, you know, the the, the rules around the, the the debate time and and who can control the time and how much time each side gets. So. Uh-huh. But when you do that, you actually have a debate on the substance as well in the committee, um, and and that's taking place now on the floor, the, the debate on the actual rule, but it'll get into the substance, and then we'll have the real debate, six hours, three, three hours each side here, uh, sometimes starting probably in about an hour and a half.
1: Congressman you and and Collins and 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 Gates and 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 many others have done a great job presenting the substance the real substance of this but nobody has done a better job of it I don't think than President Trump did in this six page letter to Nancy Pelosi I, I agree I've been liked, reading portion, portions it of it on the air Yeah uh, what what was your impression
2: No he, look this is this is I think what what the American people like they like the president who is plain spoken who who gets right at it and who is not afraid to go on the offense and 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 this letter is so president trump um, so you know the 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 uh, swamp class here the establishment class here in this town doesn't like the the, the language i do i think most americans do obviously you do um, and um, i thought it was right on target and the points he's making about this unfair process what they're doing um, is 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 exactly on target
1: you know, he he made a lot of points about the actual two articles, and I think he was 100%, as you say, on target there. Um, he also made a lot of points about what Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democrats are doing to undermine uh, the, the impeachment process. Essentially, here's what I've heard. They're saying that we are prejudging uh, the acquittal of President Trump. We're going to call for a mistrial before it ever starts because we know the Senate is going to acquit him because of their impartiality. And then, also, we are... And Adam shifted this on uh, on MSNBC, among others, saying that we are also prejudging the defeat we are going to suffer in 2020 by saying Trump made that uh, election invalid as oh. well with his ongoing attempts to to invite foreign countries to interfere with our process. So it doesn't matter... Whether or not he is acquitted here, they're going to say the acquittal is invalid. And then his victory in 2020, which they're almost already conceding, will also be invalid because he will have invited foreign interference. And thus, the groundwork is laid to investigate him for the next five years. Uh, it, it,
2: it, it never ends. Like I said, they're never going to stop. But I do think it's interesting. They always accuse us of what they're doing. So in 2016, they said President Trump tried to influence the election. Well, we had a thinking. Two year investigation. Before that, we had a 10 month investigation by, by Jim Comey and the FBI. Then we had a two year investigation by Mueller, and they found no collusion, no coordination whatsoever with Russia to influence the election. But we do know this. The FBI tried to play a part in that election when they spied on four Americans associated with the Trump campaign, when they took the dossier to the secret court, and we learned last week that they lied to the, to the, uh, to the FISA court 17 times. They, it was so bad. Bob, three days ago, Jim Comey had to apologize for the crazy stuff the FBI did. And just yesterday, the FISA court sent a letter to the FBI and said, you better start cleaning this stuff. Uh, So that's how bad it was. So they had their insurance policy, if you'll remember, in 2016. And now in 2020, they got this impeachment and what you just described as their way of going after President Trump in 2020. So the Democrats always accuse us of what they, in fact, are doing. And I think for most people with common sense, they see through it all.
1: What I, what I, we're talking with Congressman Jim Jordan. What, what, um, I've got a guest waiting who I'm going to speak with, uh, in a bit, uh, from One America News, who has done some incredible investigative research. And she joined Rudy Giuliani on a trip to Ukraine, where they interviewed the direct people involved. And, and I'm asking you now about the Biden part of this. The left is trying to tell us that anything Giuliani did in Ukraine, and thus anything Team Trump did in Ukraine, was an attempt to, to dig up dirt on a potential, um, uh, political opponent, Joe Biden. Yep. Rudy Giuliani started this investigation in Ukraine two years ago. That was the last time he was in Ukraine was two years ago in 2017. It wasn't to look up stuff on Joe Biden. It was to defend the president against the Mueller witch hunt. That's why he was there. And yep. anything that happened as a result of that is almost happenstance because Rudy Giuliani didn't put Hunter Biden on, on a Burisma board. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani didn't tell didn't tell Joe Biden to to uh, b- uh, to bribe uh, the Ukrainian uh, president to fire the prosecutor looking into his son all of that happened two years ago when uh when rudy giuliani giuliani went there to represent his client against the Mueller uh russia collusion investigation so what what is your take on whether or not we will ever get a true investigation of what joe biden was into in ukraine not as a part of this this 2020 campaign congressman but as as it pertains to his time in office as vice president
2: yeah, and it's and it's even worse. What the Democrats say, they say, "Oh, if you guys talk about Ukraine trying to influence our election, you're saying that Russia didn't interfere at all." And they're like, "No, we've never said that." No, of course, Russia. Russia interfered, but Ukraine tried to influence this election. We have Avakov, one of the key ministers, saying all kinds of terrible things about President Trump. We have uh, Ambassador Chali, the the Ukrainian ambassador here in the United States, who wrote an op-ed on August 4th against President Trump. During the campaign, August 4th, 2016, we have Lushinko over there in, in Ukraine saying, the majority of Ukrainian politicians are on Hillary Clinton's side, want her to win. So they definitely tried to influence the election. That, and, and the idea that was in the president's mind when he's talking with Zelensky was, was certainly there uh, when the call happened on July twenty third. So it's even worse than, than Rudy Giuliani trying to figure out what, what, what went on. They try to say that we're somehow substituting Ukraine for Russia. We're not doing no, that. No. We, we're saying both of them – Russia interfered. Ukraine certainly tried to influence, and that's, there, there's nothing wrong with trying to get to the bottom of that
1: no not at all not especially and what what the the real the real frustrating part is the left wants to get to the bottom of the one meaning the russian one and they want yeah. to ignore the other yeah. one we're just saying look if we are all going to declare that foreign interference in, a, in an american election is wrong then we need to we need to investigate all examples of foreign interference and exactly. not just say that if one is doing it nobody else can um yeah and 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 that's the most aggravating part about this now the other part about it is again um my friend Dennis Prager, and I don't know if you've ever been on Dennis's program. Yeah, uh, has said that to me, or to him rather, and I agree with him. So I'll say it: that to me. Um, The idea of Russian interference in the election and or Ukrainian interference in the election is one of the most overblown non stories, truthfully, uh, in American political history, because we have yet to hear from one American voter who said I was for Hillary Clinton until I read something on WikiLeaks or I read an (laughs) ad on Facebook that a a Russian company put out there and then said, now I'm voting for Donald Trump. I mean, it, it may be bad, but it really, truly did not impact in any way whatsoever the outcome of the 2016 election.
2: Yeah. Look, there the the uh the investigations done uh, after the twenty sixteen election. They asked questions of all the people in the intelligence community, did this impact votes? Did the, was there any what did Russia impact any voting machines or any change any votes anywhere? And of course the answer was no. No. So that, look, they tried to interfere. That's what they always try to do. Ukraine tried to influence. That is obvious when you got the ambassador writing an op-ed against the, the, the Republican Party candidate on August 4, 2016. So, But the Democrats, no, that just doesn't fit their narrative, and they got to go after President Trump. And, and the reason they go after him is they've never accepted the fact that 63 million Americans voted for President Trump. We elected him president. We elected him in the Electoral College landslide. We like the fact that he's draining the swamp, but guess what? The swamp doesn't like it. And they're fighting back, and that's he exactly won 30 what happened. States
1: He won 30 out of 50 states. I mean, it yep. really was not close. Um, you know, yep. and again, the popular vote notwithstanding, because that's we know we know what that means. We know about the coasts, but the bottom line is he won 30 sure. out of 50 states. And congressman, as it pertains to quote unquote interfering with an election, with all of the hand wringing and pearl clutching over that, don't we do it too? Didn't Barack Obama uh, send money to Israel to help defeat Benjamin Netanyahu? <laughs> and didn't President Trump give a verbal you know, a, a public voice of, of of support for Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, haven't we engaged in the same kind of quote unquote influencing in other foreign countries' elections by stating our preferences publicly? We've had leaders do that for, for forever.
2: Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, right? We're the United States, so it's a little different, though. When you got a, a country that that it counts on on uh, help from the American taxpayer, like Ukraine does, and right. you're in the middle of a presidential election, and you got the ambassador. Uh, writing the offense that they're doing, and you got all these politicians in Ukraine saying the things they were saying about President Trump. That's a little different. So, um, look, and, and all I'm saying is let's try to get to the bottom of all of it, and let's make sure our elections are fair, like they're supposed to be, uh, uh, secure, like 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 we all want them to be. But the Democrats, what they have done, what they put the country through, going all the way back to July 31st, 2016, when they opened the Trump Russia investigation. That we now know was based on a bunch of garbage now that we know that and then everything they've done since and what they're doing now with ukraine with no facts on their side it is it is not healthy for our country
1: last thing on the health of our country and i'm going to flip back to the senate side now and i know you've got to deal with your stuff first but mitch mcconnell said and i quote i'm not an impartial juror this is why they're saying this invalidates the acquittal that's coming because he said i'm not an impartial juror this is a political process there's not anything judicial about it impeachment is a political decision the house made a partisan political decision to impeach i would anticipate we will have a largely partisan outcome in the senate as well i'm not impartial about this at all any problem with him saying that sir
2: no, because look, how many U.S. senators on the Democrat side have said they're for impeaching the president before the phone call ever happened? Some right. of them are frankly running for president of the United. They're trying to get President Trump's job. So the idea that they're now that they're now saying Mitch McConnell said something wrong is, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, frankly, and particularly after what we saw from Pelosi and Schiff. Remember, sixteen Democrats on the Judiciary Committee voted. To move forward with impeachment before Mueller testified, before the phone call happened in, in, in this summer, before Nancy Pelosi said she was going to do the impeachment inquiry, before they did the formal vote to start the impeachment inquiry, all those people, 16 of, of, of the Judiciary Committee, were already on record as moving forward with impeachment prior to all that.
1: Yeah, and, and in, addition, in addition to that, just since the you know the the articles of impeachment have been written, they're doing interviews saying Bernie Sanders two days ago uh, uh, said uh, I believe uh, 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 we we will convict him and we should convict him. He's pre- yes. he hasn't heard he hasn't heard one single statement made in the actual yep. Senate Judiciary Committee trial and the Senate trial of Donald Trump, and yet he's pronounced him guilty. But Mitch McConnell is the one who's who's uh, uh, you know supposed wow. to be impartial in this entire thing. It's uh, the hypocrisy is just. Very, very hard to bear. Um, Congressman, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. Thank you for taking the time out. Keep fighting the fight, sir, and we'll check in with you again. You got it. That's Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, We went long, so we're going to have to take a time out here, probably to the news. Chanel Rion of OAN, One America News, will join us after the news on AM 1420, The Answer.
0: Some people hope for a miracle cure. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420 the answer i'm not willing to lay down and die because i am an innocent man all
1: right 10 27 i do have a couple of minutes here at the bottom of the hour and i want to give you before i talk to um chanel Rion at the bottom we're the bottom of the news, uh, I, I want to give you what I've been referencing and I talked to Congressman Jordan about as well. This is why the Democrats, uh, and the, the leftist media have declared that when the president is acquitted by the Senate, and we all know he will be, that that acquittal will not be valid, that a, a quote unquote mistrial should be declared, and thus they get to start the whole process over again with another impeachment inquiry, either in the election year, 2020, or if he is re-elected, they get to start all over again. And they're using this as their basis.
3: And so I think it's pretty safe to say in a partisan exercise like this, people sort of sign up with their own side. And what we may have uh, felt uh, 20 years ago may not be the same as today. And you can quote virtually any of us who were here during that period uh, to be on the opposite side. Uh, because of the nature of the the process. I I think we're going to get an almost entirely partisan uh, impeachment. I would anticipate an almost entirely partisan outcome in the Senate, as well.
2: How optimistic are you about reaching a with
0: Schumer
1: on the trial rules, and might you do what happened in '99, convene people in the old Senate chamber to try to work things out, or is that not really an option?
3: Well, I hate to repeat myself, but, but the first phase was passed unanimously 20 years ago. And that took you through the presentation, the defense, the written questions. And then, at that point, they dealt with the second resolution dealing with the witness issue.
1: All right, I'm going to cut it there because uh, I want to make sure we have plenty of time for Chanel Rion of One American News, but uh, essentially that was the press conference in which Mitch McConnell said, this is a purely partisan exercise, and I expect it will be a purely partisan outcome of the trial, and I'm not an impartial juror any more than anybody else is. This is politics, not judicial, and I'm going to, on a political basis, uh, stand with my side. And that is why they are saying that this trial will not be valid when they acquit Donald Trump. All right, uh, timeout. Not now. And on the flip side, Chino Rion has been kind enough to be flexible uh, from One America News to talk about her trip to Ukraine, what they discovered with uh, um, uh, the president's personal attorney, New York uh, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. That conversation is next on AM fourteen twenty, The Answer. <laughs> Wow, I told you we were loaded up today. Wasn't kidding. Congressman Jordan became available to me at the very last minute. He and the Freedom Caucus working hard today to try to delay this ridiculous vote so that more uh evidence can be brought forth uh of the of the um uh political nature of this. Uh, they of course lost those votes to table uh, the vote right now. Uh so he had a down moment there. He was able to come in and give us a lot of very important information. We talked about Rudy Giuliani and we talked about uh, his efforts to defend his client, the President of the United States. And that was the basis of his uh, first trips to Ukraine, which were two years ago, as reported by Chanel Rion of One American News. So,
4: Mayor Rudy Giuliani, by our side, with his nearly two years of investigations into Ukraine, we packed everything up and flew to Ukraine's capital, Kiev. This would be a significant trip, not only for us, but for Giuliani also. Democrats portrayed Giuliani as slinking about in Ukraine, collecting dirt on Biden for 2020, when the reality was quite different.
0: Would it surprise you that I haven't been in Ukraine for uh, two years? That during the course of this entire thing, I never went to the Ukraine, either in the daytime or in the middle of the night.
4: And Giuliani's research then was for his client, the president, to defend him against the Mueller investigation.
1: That was 2017, if you're keeping score at home. Two years ago is 2017. There was no Ukrainian phone call at that time. That came in July of this year. His work was not... Joe Biden was not a candidate for president in 2017. He was in Ukraine investigating corruption and defending his client. Not digging up dirt on a presidential opponent. That is the bottom line, and Chanel Rion joins us once again. She is an investigative reporter and journalist for One American News, the One American News Network. We spoke with her last week, and Chanel, first of all, thank you for coming back on. How are you?
4: Hi, Bob. Good to be back.
1: I have heard so much of your voice. Fortunately, of have a very pleasant speaking voice because I, I watched all three segments uh, um, on Saturday, that aired uh, of your special investigation about the Ukrainian witnesses um, and and uh, 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 Attorney Giuliani and Mayor Giuliani's work in Ukraine. Uh, part three is what I just played a short clip of, and that's what I want to focus on, because Rudy Giuliani is now under attack by the left, by the leftist media, not, of course, counting One News Network, for... What they are describing, as you correctly pointed out, trying to invoke foreign interference into our election by looking into um, President Trump's possible uh, general election opponent, Joe Biden. Let's talk about what you and Rudy Giuliani did when you went to Ukraine to interview the likes of Viktor Shokin uh, and as well as the other witnesses that he has come back now touting that will prove the corruption that uh, he was there to investigate.
4: Right, so we interviewed five individuals total. Three of them were able to come on camera and speak to us. <clears throat> the other two were in sensitive positions and they could not <clears throat> They could not come on camera. Uh, but the three that we did interview and talk to and get on camera, get on the record, number one was the former Prosecutor General Victor Shokin. This is the gentleman that uh, we have heard in the Joe Biden clips where Joe Biden brags about uh, uh, getting getting fired, having gotten fired. The second individual we interviewed was his predecessor, was Victor Shokin's predecessor, the guy who inherited Victor Shokin's office once Victor Shokin was dismissed. And then the third person we interviewed and he just interviewed uh, Jim Jordan. And I might say, I might go on the limb and say the guy, the third interview that we went to was uh, essentially the Jim Jordan of Ukraine. He is a uh, member of parliament he is sits on the budget committee in ukraine and he he has been filing cases where he has been trying to track down money that has been lost from the ukrainian treasury and in the process of trying to recover this lost money for ukraine he has come across all of these cases involving burisma money laundering cases involving joe biden and some very nefarious activity going on between our U.S. State Department using our U.S. tax dollars to uh, infiltrate the Ukrainian government and abuse their power. So those—that's a—that's a quick overview of the three interviews that we got uh, mm-hmm. as far as what we pulled from each of those interviews. For the first two, the first pro- the Prosecutor General, uh, we got confirmation that certain very very interesting documents were in fact coming from their offices so with victor shokin he confirmed for us on camera that he was uh dismissed from his position as prosecutor general because he was looked he was getting quote too close to burisma and joe biden was very upset about this and told president poroshenko of ukraine to uh get rid of the problem of victor shokin and that's That ultimately ended in Victor Shokin being dismissed uh, on charges of being corrupt and inept. Well, Victor Shokin corrected the record and said, well, look through my record. I have never been officially charged of corruption. No one has given me any specific charge. It's a very Kafka-esque system. He's being charged of a crime that no one is telling him what the crime is. And so that's uh, Victor Shokin. The, the second gentleman came in. And
1: before you go on, before you go on, Chanel, um, I also found it very interesting that you included in your report in part three, as you introduced Victor Shokin, that one of yes. the reasons he could not travel uh, to the United States to be interviewed for this, for, for your work, uh, and to meet with uh, 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 Rudy Giuliani. Is because a visa problems, which we can also talk about, uh, and and uh, Ambassador mm-hmm. Yovanovitch and her attempts to stop um, uh, Ukrainian officials from coming to the United States to testify because uh, we she kind of knew what they would testify to, but also the part about mercury poisoning. Can you summarize that for the audience who has not yet seen part three of your series? Sure.
4: So with the with Shokin. Uh, there were reports that he, he suspected that he was poisoned, right? And as we heard this, a lot of the media or the left were scoffing at this and saying, oh, sure. Well, we asked him about about this poisoning that he says he has had, and he presented to us uh, four, three or four medical documents, uh, and one was translated, but they were uh, from a Austrian hospital. And Victor Shokin says that he uh, was in Crete, he passed out, he was sent to the hospital, he died on the operating table twice, and he was in a intensive care, and they found in his bloodstream uh, a mercury level, a very high mercury level, and a toxic mercury level in the human body, according to these reports, is a 2.0 level of mercury. Victor Shokin's blood results came in at 97 And the medical assessment from this Austrian hospital, he was then moved to an Austrian hospital who specialized in treating this kind of uh, uh, poisoning. Uh, The medical assessment was that this was not an accident. So we asked Victor Shokin, why do you think you, you believe you have been purposely poisoned? He said he does. And he implied that he only has one enemy, And he didn't say it outright, but uh, he he pointed essentially to Joe Biden and that coterie of people as uh, being the only enemies he has. The audience can take what they will out of that, but the medical records show that his mercury poisoning level was indeed at 9.7, which is a toxic level. He died twice.
1: I, uh, I, you know, I have nothing to base this on other than what you reported, but it sounds like, yes, somebody tried to murder the man because of what he was going to say and because of what he knows, but, um, a medical opinion is one thing, an investigation is another. Is there going to be an investigation? Has he tried to start one to find out who tried to kill him? Not that I know of. I would hope that Ukrainian government officials would take note of that. When you talk about, you know, his 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 uh, doctors, his Austrian doctors, who said uh, uh, this is no way that's accidental. I don't understand how you get to nine point, uh, you know, nine point or whatever the the the, the uh, measurement is. Um, accidentally, uh, it's it, right. I, nobody goes around accidentally ingesting mercury. Somebody had to do something to him, and I hope there will be an investigation of that. But having, I just point. The reason I wanted to focus on that is the same reason you put it in your report, um, Chanel, because. It shows that what he has to say is very, very damaging and very, very dangerous to some political enemies, both in the United States and, uh, in, or excuse me, in Ukraine and in the United States, which is where I want to take the conversation now. What yeah. you One of the other things that you uncovered, well, as a matter of fact, let me pause on that question. I wanted to ask about the money laundering that you and uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani found evidence of from Ukraine to the United States. But you were actually starting to talk about the second of the three uh, individuals that you interviewed. So let's go ahead and get to that part.
4: Well, the second inter- in interview was the gentleman who inherited Victor Shokin's office. Once yes. Joe Biden uh, allegedly pressured Poroshenko to remove... Shokin. In comes the second guy. And the second guy inherits the, the highest legal official position in the land. And he has zero legal experience. He's an engineer. He is well known in Ukrainian politics, but he has no legal experience. And to this, Joe Biden is, uh, shows his stamp of approval, is very excited about it. Um, and Lutsenko has a slightly mixed uh, reputation as far as what his stories are so we got him on camera he was very reluctant to come on camera but we finally got him on camera and uh, again I urge your listeners to go ahead and watch the watch part 3 if you want to watch uh, Luke Senko's testimony it's very compelling um, and he gave us several hours but you can discount everything that he says and just look at the document that he holds up we brought we had this document we knew about this document but we didn't know if it was for real, so we asked Lutsenko, "Do you recognize this document? Did it come from your office?" And he said, "Yes." Not only that, but Madame Yovanovitch perjured herself over this document, and we asked how so, and so he pointed out to us that uh not only not only perjured herself once, but he said he perjured herself; she perjured herself twice and at least twice, and in the document that he holds up, it's an inquiry from his deputy's office, his deputy prosecutor's office, requesting information about $7 billion of Ukrainian money that went to the United States to a firm called Franklin Templeton. And this is a two-page letter. It's got seals, it's got stamps, it's got signatures. And Madame Yovanovich claims that she received no such request from uh, Lutsenko's office. And Lutsenko is saying, here's my letter. I actually asked her very specifically about this matter, and she said that she, she lied under oath and said that she knew nothing of such a letter. So um, that was very interesting. What that letter then implies is that there's a lot of money. There's so much more to this story than what we have initially found. Um, and this is... This is uh, it's a shocking detail
1: that uh, I urge your listeners to go watch in part three. This is um, this is really incredible. Um, Chanel, we're talking to Chanel Rion. If you just turned us on, uh, she is. Uh, and by the way, also thank you for your flexibility, as uh, we were supposed to talk to you at ten o five, and uh, we had Congressman Jordan kind of come in at the last second. So thank you for that, uh,
4: Chanel. We love- Congressman Durden,
1: glad you got him on. Yeah, he's he's such an important part of all of this. He is fighting so hard to defend the presidency. Not the president, but the presidency, because that's what's really under assault here. This is going to have ramifications on future presidents as well. Going back to um, uh, Rudy Giuliani, though, what you just pointed out, particularly about that document, proving Yovanovitch perjured herself, this is what is is the difference between what you and what attorney and I keep calling him attorney Giuliani because he's no longer the mayor, but mayor Giuliani, you have actual evidence, which is the difference, the difference between you and the Democrats who are coming after the president and claiming he was just there trying to influence uh, the American 2020 election by inviting foreign interference, etc. They have no evidence whatsoever. They had no evidence of collusion with Russia. They have no evidence of this uh, 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 this uh, high crime and misdemeanor or treasonous act here with Ukraine. And the only thing they do present as evidence is hearsay, presumption, and assumption. You have eyewitness testimony, first-hand individuals involved, and documentation to go along with it. Um, I guess what Cheat I'm asking... To
4: that point, Bob, I yeah. want to jump in there. You no, can, go ahead. Uh, Democrat collusion, well, I mean uh, Russian collusion, well what was interesting about this trip and this entire series of investigations is that uh, if you watch part two we brought in, OAN brought in three first-hand witnesses, each who could provide different perspectives and first-hand accounts of how, not the Trump administration, not the Trump candidacy not the Republicans, but the Democrats were actively colluding with our U.S. State Department, to interfere in our 2016 elections. And that is a shocking series of testimonies that you can hear on Part 2. If you go on OANN.com, the whole series is posted online for free. Everyone can access it and watch it. But if you want to see a a separate crime, not of money laundering, but of collusion by the Democrat Party, go watch Part 2. You will hear three separate witnesses talk about how there was a very key piece of uh, evidence that they say was manufactured by Democrats and used to try to take down Donald Trump in 2016. Called is- Black Ledger, watch part two.
1: That is fascinating and very, very important. And 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 I and I want to say to my audience right now, if their eyes are glazing over a little bit because their or their ears are are hurting them because they're trying to follow all of this and a lot of the foreign names that you're talking about and a lot of the evidence and things, it's it's probably hard to follow if you don't watch the series. Um. And so I I want to agree with you and I want to uh, hit this again. I'll tweet it again in a moment. Um, the, uh, link to the OANN.com, uh, interview, or excuse me, investigative, uh, page that you, you have all of these, uh, parts on. I'm staring at them now. So I want people to watch this so they understand what you are saying and what, um, you know, the truth is about what, you know, who really colluded with whom and who is trying to influence the American elections. And I guess I'll close our conversation for today, Chanel, by asking you what's next. Um, uh, we have seen part three. Is part four coming or where do we go from here? Or is it all about analyzing what, what's been done?
4: Uh, part four is on it on its way. Uh, right now, we are we have more witnesses who have come forward. We have documents that are now flooding our way. We have to sift through everything. We have to verify everything. Make sure uh, that that uh, we're not being fed. Uh, you know, we've got to sort information and make sure that what we have is real. So that's going to take a little bit of time, but we're working very fast. What we are going to be uncovering further is this very intricate network of, we talk about quid pro quo Mm -hmm. uh, in the the impeachment inquiry, but there's a deep, much deeper network of money and power that is circulated in a very elite group of people overseas through our U.S. State Department and through NGOs, non-government organizations that are not under the purview of the U.S. government. They set themselves up in these foreign countries and then our U.S. government decides, What U.S. taxpayers, in in the form of aid, goes to these NGOs? This is a huge, huge network of corruption, power, and greed that absolutely needs to be looked into. And that's where we're taking part four. More documents, more witnesses are coming forward. So I urge your audience to stay tuned. Watch OAN and uh, go to oann.com to watch parts one through three of our entire investigation.
1: Yeah, and that's going to have to hold us over, I guess, because uh, I can't wait to see what's next. But I am glad to hear you say what you did. We have to verify everything. We have to make sure that what we are uh, presenting is not misinformation. We have to source it, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, real journalism takes time. Real journalism and verifying sources really takes a lot of effort, uh, rather than the uh, some of the nonsense you would, you know, that we quite frankly see on CNN and MSNBC where they run with uh, uh, statements. like like uh, the dossier was legitimate, the dossier was real, and on and so on and so forth. Only to find out two years later, okay, maybe it wasn't. You guys are doing real journalism. I know it takes time, so we will uh, we will continue to push the three parts that you have up so far, so that people can get up to speed. And when number four is available, we would love to talk to you again.
4: Bob, thank you so much.
1: Keep up the great work, Chanel. It's it's really important work that you and your team at OANN are doing. That's the uh, One American News Network. Chanel Rion joining us on AM 1420. The Answer. We'll get a time out here and wrap it up after this on the Bob France Authority.
0: Damn my foolish eyes. Bob France. Here on AM 1420. The Answer. That man's lessons had a price. Oh, sweet price.
1: I just posted on my Facebook page, which is France Radio. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Uh, All one word, no spaces, no underscores. I don't care who you are. I don't care what side you're on. If you have any interest in seeking the truth about what was going on in Ukraine and what is going on in Ukraine now, with actual, factual documentary evidence, you will watch this series. President Trump was absolutely right to ask the new president of Ukraine to investigate that government's past corruption and its ties to the United States. And the fact that the investigation of this criminal enterprise netted the Bidens is completely incidental because Biden was not a presidential candidate when this investigation began. Please educate yourself. This series, now three parts long, is well worth your time. I watched part three last night. Watch all three of them in, in order and spread the word to your friends. An informed electorate is a very, very uh, positive electorate. It's an essential electorate. All right, that's all the time we've got. Thanks for being a part of it. Mike Gallagher's next on AM 1420 The Answer. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Enjoy the silence.